Good morning. It's good to see everyone this uh, Mother's Day Sunday. Welcome home, family. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I'm always, uh, I'm thankful for my own mother who uh, helped instill faith in me. I'm thankful for my wife, who's the mother of my children, who's helping uh, grow my children in the faith. They're actually both serving back in the kids' church right now, so there you go. Um, so hope all mothers are feel appreciated uh, this, this morning. We are going to continue our series going through the book of Exodus, uh, and it's not going to be a Mother's Day sermon. It's going to be uh, what the scripture leads to get prepared, if, but don't worry when we're going to get there, it's going to be on the screen. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Therefore, I thank you so much for this time when we can gather as your people, come before you, praising your name, praying before you, and sitting under your word. Lord, I just pray for this time that you bring to life your word so that we can learn from it. Not just learn what we need to do, but learn about you and what you've done for us. How you've made us into a community, your community, your people, and how that changes everything. Lord, we love you. We ask that you continue to build us up so that we can serve you faithfully, love people around us as you would call us to love, serve in the ways you call us to serve, and be yours all the time. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for five. It won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Now you know why I'm not part of the worship team up here. But that song, when I was reading Exodus 18, that song stuck in my mind so much because when I was a youth at Young Life Camp, we would sing that song who are professing faith for the first time maybe, and it's a sense of, hey, this is my family, this is my body, and we can lean on each other. So it's a true fact that that's what the church should be, right? We could sing that song to each other, lean on me when you're not strong, because I'm going to need someone to lean on as well. And it just illustrates, I think, beautifully the fact of community and what the church should be. In fact, when we think, think back through the last few years, if there was a silver lining through COVID-19 was maybe awareness of community. That again and again, you saw throughout the community, you saw signs, you saw people expressing it, like we're in this together. Even the gym I worked out at made shirts that said we're stronger together because they're trying to, they, in a time when people were so isolated, in a time when people were apart, to remind us that we are together. We're part of a community. And that's the truth, is that everyone is part of a community. I don't care how antisocial you are. I don't care if you don't want to be part of a community. You are part of a community. And if you're a Christian, you're part of God's community, the community he pulls together, he creates uh, of people. And when we read Exodus 18, we see God's community, the people of Israel, and how he is addressing community, the importance of a community that takes care of each other. And so you have your Bibles. I invite you to turn to Exodus 18. We're going to read this chapter. If you don't, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen behind us. And it starts like this. Jethro 
the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of one was Gershom, for he had said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he had said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he had encamped at the mountain of God. And when he, when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jephro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jephro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jephro said, well, from under the hand of the Egyptians, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, because of the, in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jephro, Moses' Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said, to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone." Now obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall re- represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens." And let them judge and decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden. They will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. <clears throat> you will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. In this account, we see uh, almost like the inner workings of how the people of Israel were set up and how they were kind of moving in the wilderness, how they were taking care of each other. And so what should we take from this account in Exodus 18? And I would offer this, that God gives us the shared ministry of his community. That God brings us together as a people, and, and when he brings us together as a people, he actually gives us the responsibility for his people. That we're brought together for each other to each other for the purpose of growing, for the purpose of taking care of, for the purpose of providing for and leading the community he's placed us in. 
this, this, this community of his people. That we're actually given, when you come to know the truth, you are not just, it's not just an individual experience, you actually are brought into the people of God. And that's expressed in the local church as we come together and we're given to each other. That again and again, when you read the Bible, there is not this idea that we're on our own out there as believers. No, we're brought together to be God's people for each other and with each other. That God gives us the shared ministry of his community. That we're in this together. And it's interesting, I believe he uses the example of Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, coming and seeing how the community is operating to illustrate this point that they were maybe getting off track a little bit. And he uses uh, Jephro to speak wisdom into, into Moses' life. That God gives us the shared ministry of his community. So the story starts with a, um, a reunion of sorts. That all of a sudden in the middle of this, when the people of Israel are encamped before the mountain of God, after all these events have happened, we all of a sudden realize, hey, there's some, some characters that we've been introduced before that have not been there. Zipporah, Moses' wife, and his kids, Gershom and Eldiezer, have not been there. And you kind of wonder, hey, have they been left from the story? But no, apparently at some point, father-in-law, Jephro, the priest of Midian, he did this probably to protect them, that as he knew he was about to walk into Egypt again, a wanted man, and he was going to confront Pharaoh, and he was going to demand that Pharaoh release his people from slavery, and he knew that maybe this would be a dangerous position for his wife and kids, and so he sent them back to live with the priests of Midian, his father-in-law. And so now the father-in-law brings his wife and his children back to him, and there's a reunion of sorts. It's funny, I was thinking about this, when we were talking about Mother's Day and when just this now when I was reading this account and how kind of an anti-Mother's Day message this is, because it doesn't talk about the reunion with Moses and Zimporah, the, the, the mother of his children. No, what does it say? It says father-in-law like 26 times through this talk. That the focus focus is not so much the reunion with his wife and his kids, which probably was glorious, which was great. We can read between lines and say that was good. But the focus on this passage is is the writer, Moses, is trying to lead us and teach us something about how the Father was bringing wisdom to Moses that would help this community. So I just think that's kind of funny. So here comes Jephro. We introduced him before in the book of Exodus as Roll, and he actually has another name in Judges. You read another name for him. This guy with three names, Moses was organizing and leading the people. And it's interesting, there's some debate about who this guy was, Jephro. He's called the priest of Midian. Midian was the region that Moses fled to, uh, but he's called the priest of Midian, and so we don't know actually what he believed. Some people think he was actually a priest of the one true God, and that he knew God, who God was, and that he actually grew Moses in the faith when Moses was sojourning there with him. But that's not said in the text. We actually don't know who he is. But when we see how he responds, when he hears about what Israel, what happened with Israel, how God was moving, I'm led to believe that he he probably was not a believer. But now he's reunited with Moses, and what happens is all of a sudden he comes to see the truth of who God is. And that we actually have a, 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 a reunion of a different sort happening as he comes to know the faith and it actually comes to have a common faith in this God. Why would I say that? Well, when we see his response, 
He comes and talks to Moses, and Moses relays to him all that God has done. Moses says, hey, you wouldn't believe it. God, you know, reached out his mighty hand and, 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 and uh, did these signs and wonders on Egypt. And it was amazing. He parted the Red Seas. He destroyed the Egyptians. He's relaying all these amazing things to Jephro. And what does Jephro do? It says, Jephro rejoiced. And he says, blessed be. And he says in, in, uh, in verses like 10 through 11, as he's describing this, he says, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. He says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. He saying, Now I know that Moses relayed what happened, and so now he's confessing a belief in this God. I know this God, the God you speak about, Moses, the God that you probably told me about when you saw the burning bush. I know this God is the true God, greater than any other gods, because we saw him triumph over the Egyptian gods. We saw him deliver your people, and you're telling me this. I know this to be true, and so what does he do? He offers sacrifices to God with Moses and the people. So I think what we see here is a great example about how the people of God is an open community. We'll see this again and again, examples again and again, as the people of God are traveling towards the promised land, they keep on picking up all these strays. These people who have heard, these people who have seen, these people who believe in this God, and they say, I don't want to be identified any longer with the people opposed to God. I want to be identified with the people of God. And I think Jephro is doing the exact same thing here. Even though he leaves and goes back to his land, he says, I is a believer at this point who believes in God and trusts God as he's leading the Israels to the promise, the promised land. I think this gives us a great example of what evangelism looks like. So often we maybe get in our heads about what needs to be happening in evangelism, but just think about what, how Moses does it, even with someone so close, his father-in-law. He relays to him what God did. It's as simple as that. That he declares to Jephro, God did this. He delivered us from Pharaoh. He delivered us from the Egyptians. He conquered all that was before us. He led us through the Red Sea. He took care of the army that was chasing us. He provides for us in the wilderness. This is God. And Moses declares it to him, and Jephro believes. And then when we think about evangelism, I think that's almost as simple as that, is that we have to have that mindset kind of a Moses, that we live in an open community. Anyone is coming to welcome in, and when they're welcome in, what do we do? We declare to them the glories of God. We say, you have not seen, you have not heard. Let me tell you just how great our God is. And it's as simple as that. We don't have to convince someone. We can't convince someone. We don't have to change someone's minds. Our job is only to declare who God is. Read this story. I think it's a great example of what that community looks like, is that we can be an open community that invite people in. Why? So that they, too, can see the God that we know. But Jephro comes in, and whether it's because of his position as a priest in his country, or just because maybe he's older and wiser. You kind of wonder how old he is now since Moses is 80. But anyways, this is a side thought. Jephro comes in, and he has advice for Moses. 
For he sees Moses in action as he's leading the people. And what does Moses do? He chooses a time, he sits down, and all the people crowd around him, and they bring their complaints. Now, we've already got a little taste of how complaining Israel can be. So you just got to imagine what kind of complaints they were bringing to Moses that took all day for him to answer and sort through. You know, this, you know, uh, this guy took my, my gathering jar for the manna, and they're, and they're complaining and just whining. And you can imagine this being a wearing uh, experience for not only the people as they stood there and waited for judgment, but for Moses himself. And so Jephro comes and he sees this, and he offers advice. He says, hey, this is not good. Basically what he's saying is Moses you're leading not good. It's too heavy for you. It's too burdensome for you. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear your people out. People out. Realize that God is bigger than just you and your ministry, Moses. That Jeshua actually was speaking with wisdom and says, you have to delegate. You have to actually organize the community in such a way that the community can take care of each other. He offers him that wisdom about pointing judges of the thousands, of the hundreds, and of the tens, and how that would help carry the load with the people. And I think when we read that, it's not just a case example of how Israel was supposed to organize, it would keep them healthy. I think we could get principles from this that apply to ourselves and our community as well as we seek to honor God. And there's three areas I think that we can understand and see that we can apply to our own lives and apply to our own community, this community. And the first one is that we need God. We need God. We're made a community by God. That's why we are a community. That's why they were community. Fundamentally, we need God. And we see this when it's talking about Moses and talking about people of Israel. What do they say? He says, he acquires on God for the behalf. He takes their complaints to God. And then he delivers to them the statutes and the laws of God so that they know God. They framed their whole life. They got the rules and regulations and how they operate from God. And it came through Moses, his prophet. And so we need God in the same way that we actually need the guidance that God gives his people. That our community is formed by who God is and by how God directs and leads us. It's a great thing that we look at this community of Israel and we see how they're led and directed by God. And the same thing is with us, that we are founded on God, our belief in God, our common faith. And now we look towards God for guidance. We need him. Now, we don't, we don't any longer have Moses who acquires on us on our behalf. What we have is the Word of God. That when we think about how Moses brought the statutes and the laws to help guide the people of Israel, what we have is all those statutes, all those laws, and how they find their completion and fulfillment through Jesus Christ, and how now we as believers should walk in light of who He is, and we have it all for us through the Word of God. And so we need God. Our community should be based and founded on the word of God. And we look towards him and all these things that we look towards him. And as he guides us, that God has given us his word. And he's given us his Holy Spirit that indwells every believer in Jesus Christ so that we can interpret his word. And that can be brought to life in us and we can know it and walk in the truth of it. From the very beginning, God spoke and gathered people to himself. 
And now it's the word of God that we center ourselves around and we are made his people through the word of God. It's our standard. It's our guide. It's our rule. We look towards it for what we need and how we should live and how we should operate, how we should love. Some people want to now undermine the authority of the word and talk about how it's the people of God who kind of came together and made the word or decided on the word. But that's not the case. It's never been the case in the whole history of God's people. It's always been the word of God who gathers the people and makes the people. And so we need God, just like Israel needed God to know the statutes and the rules to walk in light of that. But we also need each other. Just think about Israel and, and Jethro's advice to Moses when he says those two kind of big things. You're not able to do it uh, alone, and this is too heavy for you. He's talking about Moses and about leading the people, and he's talking about leadership of the people of God, and that's so true, and that's true for leadership, but I also think it's as true for all community. And when we start thinking that we have to do it, or it's just on us, or if we're all by ourselves, heavy for you. That, I mean, we could take his words out and apply it to us. When we seek to live our Christian life by ourselves, doing our own thing, we should read this and let the ring in our ears, you can't do it alone. It's too heavy for you. You'll crash and burn. Now, this is about community. This is about the church, that you need people around you to come alongside you to bear the weight. That you need to delegate leadership and responsibility, yes, but you need just in community people who are that person you can lean on. The person who stands by you, the person who cries when you cry and laughs when you laugh, the person who guides you and directs you, the person who lifts your head up back towards the truth of who God is. We live in community and we need that. That we need each other. This is what true community is. And when we think about this example, how we need each other and we take it to the church, I think that's what we see is we need true community when we're loving each other well, serving each other, lifting each other up. Now, when I say this, I'm preaching to myself. For if there was someone who is introverted and shy and doesn't want people in his business and messing his stuff, it's me. I really don't. But I know, again, on my own, that I need people speaking the truth and love in my life, and I need people I can lean on in those times. That we look towards the truth and we see this, that this is what true community is, is that we need each other in this. So we need God to guide and direct us and set the course and give us the standard. We need each other to lean on, and we need leaders to lead us well. When we read this text, Jephro's advice to Moses is about leadership. That it's not just on Moses, but people need to have authority and you need to share authority, delegate authority, so that the people are led better. So that these leaders can step up and, and share in this ministry that they needed leaders. And that's how Jephro's asking and kind of encouraging Moses to organize the people of God. Because leadership is very important. Because as leaders go, the community of God goes with them. 
If you read the Bible again and again, what we see happening again and again is when leaders are doing well, the people of God are doing well. When leaders fall and go astray, the people of God fall right along and fall and go as concerned that the leadership of his people is strong and sure and is good and is godly. And Jephthah, when he gives that advice, he, I think he's aware that you not just need, you don't just need bodies to step in positions, but you need the right qualified people to lead the people of God in a good way. And so there's requirements stated for what these judges of the people should be. That they should be able. They have a competency. You know, they don't fail upwards. No, they're like, we can't do anything with our, you know, our cousins, so we're just going to make him a judge. No, that's not what we do. They're able, they're competent. They're able to do the job set before them. They're able to be wise and lead well. That they're called, uh, they fear God. That they're believers, not just believers, but they have rightly ordered their life, that they know what is most important, and it is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of all wisdom. And so they know who he is, and they seek to follow him and organize a life around him. That they're trustworthy, meaning that when they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. That the word is their bond, and that you should trust these people. And they also hate a bribe. They're incorruptible. incorruptible. That's not it, but it's there, close enough. They, they, they cannot be corrupted. They, they are honest and just. As these are the qualifications for leaders if, to be judges over these people, that they read those qualifications. What does it sound so similar to is the qualifications for leaders of the church? Then when we go into the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, we see a list of qualification for elders, the leaders of the church. And what do you see is something very similar, an expanded version of this list. That they're able to teach. That they are, first and foremost, a God-fearer. They know who God is and follow him. They know Jesus Christ. That they're trustworthy and they're, they're, they're not going to take bribes. They're not going to be corrupted. And, and, and more of these character qualities, these are people you could depend upon. That this plurality of leadership leads the church in the ways in which God wants it to go. That we need Leaders. Not just any leaders, but we need godly leaders who step up and are not in it for themselves, but are in it to serve the people of God for the people of God. It's a sad state of fear that all too often now, there's too many headlines about leaders who go astray in the church. There's too many news stories about how a church is fracturing or a church is hurt because leaders have lost their way. And that one of the ways we here, and I believe, is that you practice what is here, is that you have a plurality of leadership, that you bring people, not just a few, but people around to have leadership where they check each other, where they lean on each other, where they love each other and serve each other, and they work together, that God gives us the shared ministry of his, of his community. That it's not just about one person, it's not just about a select few people, but it's about the community working together, walking together, and, uh, and walking in God's ways to serve Him. That we need God to set up the course, we need each other to lean on, and we need leaders who help guide us well and serve us well. And that's again because we are in community with each other. 
If you're a member of River Valley Community Church, you have stated that very clearly. This is my this is my, uh, my community. This is my people. This is my family of faith. We're in this together. We promise to move forward together. We promise to, test, to protect the testimony of the church, to serve the ministry together. We do these things because we're in this together. We know we're in this together because that is part of what the gospel means. The great and glorious news of Jesus Christ who came to live for us the life that we could not live, who came to die for us the death that we deserved, who came to give us life, not just in the future, but here now, life to the full, who came and rose from the dead to show us what awaits us the glorious news of the gospel that we're saved from sin, death, and the devil. That he has done everything needed to bring us in to God. But guess what? He brings us into God as God's family. That we're together. And I know I'm speaking to a bunch of Americans, and Americans are Americans, and we're proud, independent, we're individual. But when you read the Bible again and again, it's about the community of faith. Yes, we're saved individually. He saves us when we come to know the truth, when our heart is changed, when that heart of stone is changed into a heart that now beats for God. That happens personally but it happens in the context of the local body of Christ. And you're brought into the body of Christ to live with each other, serve one another, be on mission with each other, so that the body grows and the church prevails in this world. Which is why you see again and again how we're supposed to gather together as his body. So we gather together as a body of Christ. Meaning that how do we do this? Well, as we said before, the same principles apply to this body and it's how we're going to walk forward as the church. We gather together under God. He leads true. Any leaders of the church are under shepherds below Christ as they seek to honor him and follow him and lead under God. And we do it together. That we're for each other. When we read the New Testament again and again, you see this, serve one another, love one another, be there for one another, bear one another's burdens. Again and again, this phrase, one another. And that's true for the community that when we come together, we're there for one another. And so we need to look around and see this community of faith and actually see it as our brothers and sisters that we're in here for each other. That we love each other and seek and should be seeking to serve one another. And all the ministries here, we do it by a team where there's a group of people who serve together on rotation. And one of those purposes is so that we're doing it together. There's not individual little kingdoms within the church, but we're in this together, serving together because God gives us the shared ministry of his community. And then we do it under godly leadership. Then we look towards well, how the church should be organized. We should, it's rightly that we look towards leadership to lead us and guide us and direct us just like the people of Israel did. We see that again and again as we read the qualifications for leadership or when we read in Ephesians 4, we see how it's talking about how God equipped the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That God gives the church what all these leaders, why? For the purpose of building up the body of faith. The leaders are there to serve and the leaders are there to equip the people to do ministry. So we do seek to do this under God 
together and under godly leadership because we know that the promise that Jesus gives to the church, the assembly of God's people, is that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I don't want to go too far, but that promise is not given to the individual Rambo Christian on his own. That promise is given to the community of faith as it walks lockstep together, wearing the armor of God, seeking to expand his kingdom. Together, the gates of hell do not prevail against us. Because together we are on mission. Together we can spend the gospel. Together we preach the good word. Together we care for each other. Together we change communities. Together we're in it for each other, for the glory of God. And as we're together, walking together, we know we have brothers and sisters who have our backs. We know people can trip and stumble, but there'll be people around them to hold them up and care for them in their times of trouble. But it's together that we walk forward for Christ. Because community. So, since I started with a song, I thought I would end with a song. That when the night has come and the land is dark, no. I won't be afraid. <clears throat> Just as you stand, stand by me. Stand with each other as we walk forward as God's community. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for you, your love, this community that you've given us, this community of faith that you've built. Lord, we pray for this community of faith. We pray that it continues to grow as more people come into it. We pray that it can stay true and faithful as we stand on your word. Lord, we pray for anyone who looks at this community and wants to be a part of it. And I can know that it is an open community that welcomes in believers in you. Lord, we just ask that you continue to let us love each other well, serve each other well, and be there for each other. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. <clears throat> We're going to uh, worship again, so if you feel so led, feel free to join us. <clears throat>